0: That's join M-I-D-I dot com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.
1: yes go to spoilercon.org check it out there is now a wheel of time west coast con
2: we're just working on finishing up a few final details and uh, tickets should be available shortly probably certainly by the time this recording comes out awesome This is
1: the Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast. Your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiler. Hi, I'm Seth. And I'm Patrick. Chapter 34 of The Shadow Rising. He who comes with the dawn, and our symbol is the dragon banner. The dawn's shadows shortened and paled as Rand and Matt jogged across the barren, still-dark valley floor, leaving fog-shrouded Ruidian behind. The dry air hinted at heat to come, but the slight breeze actually felt cool to Rand, with no coat. That would not last. Full blistering daylight would be on them soon. They hurried as best they could, in the hope of beating it, but he did not think they would. Their best was not very fast. Matt trotted in a pained shamble. A dark smear fanned across half his face, and his coat hung open, revealing his unlaced shirt, stuck to his chest by more drying blood. Sometimes, he gingerly touched the thick wheel around his throat, nearly black now, growling under his breath, and he stumbled often, catching himself with the odd, black-hafted spear and clutching at his head. He did not complain, though, which was a bad sign. Mao was a great complainer at small discomforts. If he was silent now, it meant he was in real pain. The old, half-healed wound in Rand's side felt as though something were boring into it, and the gashes on his face and head burned, yet... Lumbering along, half-hunched over his aching side, he hardly thought of his own hurts. He was all too conscious of the sun rising behind him, and the Aiel waiting on the bare mountainside ahead. There was water and shade up there, and help for Matt. The rising sun behind, and the Aiel ahead, dawn, and the Aiel. he who comes with the dawn. That Aes Sedai he had seen, or dreamed he had seen, before Ruidian, she had spoken as if she had the foretelling. "'He will bind you together.' He will take you back and destroy you. Words delivered like prophecy. Destroy them. Prophecy said he would break the world again. The idea horrified him. Perhaps he could escape that part, at least, but war, death, and destruction already welled up in his footsteps. Tyr was the first place in what seemed a very long time where he had not left chaos behind. Men dying and villages burning. He found himself wishing he could climb up on Ja'erine, and run as fast as the stallion could carry him. It was not the first time. But I can't run, he thought. I have to do it, because there isn't anybody else who can. I do it, or the Dark One wins. A hard bargain, but the only one there was. But why would I destroy the Aiel? How? That last thought chilled him. It was too much like accepting that he would, that he should. He did not want to harm the Aiel. Light, he said harshly. I don't want to destroy anybody. His mouth felt lined with dust again. Matt glanced at him si- silently. A wary look. I'm not mad yet, Rand thought grimly.
2: He's a little bit mad.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally.
2: Just, just a little bit.
1: I think the only thing that I really wanted to point out there is Ran's side wound.
2: Yeah. The, the fact that they just experienced a bubble of evil and it's causing him a massive amount of pain.
1: Much more than usual. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I, I do think that the pain is the bubble of evil effect:
1: the proximity to the kind of power that is left there that makes sense
2: the the evil of the dark one is resonating with the side
1: yeah, when the wound in his side is uh, is near the dark force, they kind of resonate totally and he can feel it
2: totally and it, it's actually he's fortunate it didn't actually break open this time. must have been a small bubble. I don't know. I noticed that Matt is also clutching at his head because he's had all the memories shoved into him. So he's got this massive headache from basically having the holes in his head filled.
1: Oh yeah. I didn't even think of it that way. I was last You thought time... it was from being hung? Yes. I'm sure that also causes <laughs> a headache. Yes. Uh,
2: but I think it's, it's mostly to do, cause he talks about all the, the sharp, like it's very sharp in his brain and stuff like that. And I think it's, it's very much the memories that are, integrating themselves into his memories
1: yeah i can't imagine i mean if i like put a foot on one of my knees while i'm reading for an hour or something and you put that foot down it's like really really uncomfortable i can't imagine what it would be like to be hung from that foot for a very long time for seven days maybe. (laughs) and then you get that same feeling in your skull instead of in your foot right (laughs) be like blinding probably
2: I mean I think that's why you don't have nerves in your brain. I'm sure. Your brain is nerves, so I totally <laughs> am not right when I say that, but like, you don't have um pain sensing nerves in your brain.
1: I kind of liked that draconic entity wrote the Finn seem to enjoy inflicting pain, so they get to experience that sensation. I I kind I, I don't know if that's perfectly true in this instance, but I just I like thinking about it that way.
2: Yeah, they like extreme emotion and extreme sensations, and pain is definitely one of those. Yeah. And probably the easiest one to, co- to to inflict on someone long-term.
1: So Matt and Rand are climbing up out of the valley. up slope. the Aiel were stirring in three camps. Oh, I also wanted to highlight Rand has the thought he needed people he could trust, people who followed from something besides fear of him.
2: Right. These are his loyal followers. We've seen what he gets in tier and you just have to constantly micromanage those people. And he doesn't have the time to do that and win the war. He needs loyalty first. Right. So he can manage all of his other groups.
1: The perfect soldiers almost.
2: And I think we see that in Rand when he comes down from the mountain that he understands that like he stops trying to micromanage things and just lets people be good and do what they must. I don't know. I feel like he changes his approach a little bit. He gets people to follow him down off the mountain just out of sheer force of personality and will versus browbeating them, which is what he has to do now.
1: But of course not all the Aeel will follow him. Especially (laughs) (laughs) Nice transition. Nice transition. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Well done. Especially this guy here named Kuladin, who comes running Um, up and tries to kill Rand because his brother went in first and is clearly well tearing his own eyes out and then dying.
1: And I actually just put this together just as you were saying that, but so for Coolidin's brother, Muradin, it is day nine. Yes. Which means if if Muradin's not back in like a matter of hours, he's not ever coming back. Because we hear that from one of the wise ones, says it later. I that, believe it's
2: either Bear or Mies.
1: Yeah, in reference to Moraine when I think Rand asks about her. and says like, is... Where's Moraine? Is she back yet? And they're like, no, but she's got two and a half days or so. Mm -hmm. Because no one ever comes back after 10 days.
2: Never. Never, never.
1: And yeah, uh, Rand and Matt start climbing the hill, and Coolden seems to be one of the first person to see him. Presumably he's waiting there for his brother to return. Right. And starts screaming at Rand. What did you do to him? You must have killed him. And then essentially says... Like look everyone they both have or they're they're coming back armed and they raise their spears.
2: Well, first he tries to attack them. They only arm themselves after the first attack cuz he throws a spear and Ran brings his sword out.
1: Oh right. And I mean Matt is holding the spear. Yes, yes, or the the,
2: the, the Ashindari. But it's only after he throws his spear at them and then and Ran brings out the fire sword. The Kuludan's like, "Look, look, sword." <laughs> Yeah. They're armed,
1: they brought those weapons into Ruidian, and they killed my brother, obviously.
2: Yeah, obviously.
1: Even though no one was there to witness it, I'm sure this is true.
2: And so then all all of Coolidin's men throw their spear at Rand at the same time, and you get one of those Taviran perfect circles. I think we see it with fish at one point, where some guy stumbles and all the fish come out of the basket. And oh yeah, in, in the mud. Circle. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, we, that was in in Tear. just, uh, I don't know. A quarter of a book ago.
2: Right, right, right. This is sort of the same thing with the spears here.
1: Proof, Cooladin howled. They entered Ruidian armed. It is forbidden. Look at the blood on them. They have murdered Muradin. Even as he spoke, he hurled another spear, and this time it was one of a dozen. Rand flung himself aside, just conscious of Matt leaping the other way. Yet even before they hit the ground, the spears came together where Rand had been standing, bouncing off each other. Rolling to his feet, he found the spears all stuck in the stony ground. In a perfect circle surrounding the spot he had jumped from for a moment. Even Coolidin seemed stunned to stillness. And then
2: That was crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> My first thought was what would have happened if Rand had just stayed still? Would they just have landed in a circle around him? And I was like, no, because no. some would probably have had to pass through him to Exactly. There. Exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> they would have
2: they would have all collided right where he was, so they would have just like stabbed into him at the same spot, and then he would have died with 12 spears in his chest
1: <laughs> and then bear freaks out
2: the piece of rudyon which we know is a remnant of the way of the leaf because that's passed down from the way of the leaf to the gen the gen the home of the gen is Ruidian. don't kill someone in front of a gen because it's bad so that's why you are not allowed to fight
1: and more or less she's like cool it in you've done this shit before and i dare you to pick up a weapon now I will make it so that even your own sept will hunt you like an animal.
2: I will excommunicate you from our society. Don't forever. Don't think about it forever. I mean, they're, they're definitely breaking a lot of rules here, but that one, the piece of Ruidian, seems like it's, it's a big one. It's sort of, again, because it's tied to, a lot of their values are tied to a corruption or an interpretation of the way of the leaf. Everything from not using a sword to the piece of Ruidian to blacksmiths are sacred...
1: Right, or, or some remnant. Mm-hmm.
2: Some, yeah, remnant or, or piece of the way of leaf that's passed down through the ages.
1: And the next thing I have is when Bear says, she looks at Matt's spear and says, did he find that in Ruidian? Um, and then I have, like, figured I would read quite a bit after that because it's Rand raising his arms and to an anticlimactic <laughs> reception.
2: Yeah, I, I highlighted that with the note. Patrick will read this.
1: <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. It's too important. Um, so, this is a uh, bear here. She grimaced at Matt's strange sword bladed spear, muttering, Did you find that in Ruidian, boy? I was given it, old woman, Matt growled back hoarsely. I paid for it, and I mean to keep it. She sniffed. You both look as if you had rolled in knife grass. What? No, you can tell me later. "'Eyeing Rand's power-rot sword, she shivered. "'Rid yourself of that, and show them the signs "'before that fool Cooladin tries to whip them up again. With "'With this temper on him, "'he would take his whole clan into outlawry without blinking. "'Quickly. For a moment, he gaped at her. "'Signs?' "'Then he remembered what Ruark had shown him once, "'the mark of a man who had survived Ruidian. "'Letting the sword vanished, he unlaced his shirt cuff "'and pushed back the sleeve to his elbow. "'Around his forearm wound a shape like that on the dragon banner.' a sinuous golden mane form, scaled in scarlet and gold. He expected it, of course, but it was still a shock. The thing looked like a part of his skin, as though that non-existent creature itself had settled into him. His arm felt no different, yet the scale sparkled in the sunlight like polished metal. It seemed, if he touched that golden mane atop his wrists, he would surely feel each hair. He thrust his arm into the air as soon as it was bare, high, so in and his people could see. "'Mutters rose among the Shido, and Koolidin snarled wordlessly. "'The numbers around the granite outcrop were swelling "'as more Shido came running from their tents. "'Ruark stood with Hearn, and his Jindo, a little upslope. "'They watched the Shido warily, and Rand with an air of expectation "'his uplifted arm did not lessen. "'Lan stood halfway between the two groups, "'hand resting on his sword-hilt, face a thunderhead. "'Just as Rand began to realize the Aiel wanted something more,' Egwene and the other three wise women reached him, scrambling down the mountain. The ail woman looked out of countenance at having to hurry, and every bit as angry as Bear had been. Amis directed her glares at Couladon, while sun-haired Melaine stared blamingly at Lan. Sienna? I forget. Keep wanting to just say Shauna. Sienna. Sienna. Sienna just seemed ready to chew rocks. Egwene with a scarf wrapped around her hair and spread over her shoulders, stared at Matt and him half in consternation and half as though she expected never to see them again. Fool man, Bear muttered, all of the signs. Tossing the water bag to Matt, she seized Rand's right arm and stripped back his sleeve, exposing a mirror twin of of the creature on his left forearm. Her breath caught, then came out in a long sigh. She seemed balanced on a razor edge, between relief and apprehension. There was no mistaking it. She had hoped for the second marking, yet it made her afraid. amice and the other two wise women echoed her sign, almost exactly. It was odd to see Aiel fearful. Rand almost laughed, not that he was amused. Twice and twice shall he be marked. That was what the prophecies of the dragon said. A heron branded into each palm, and now these. One of the peculiar creatures, dragons, the prophecy called them, was supposed to be, for remembrance lost. Ruidian had certainly supplied that, the lost history of the Aiel's origins, and the other was for the price he must pay. How soon must I pay it, he wondered, and how many have to pay it with me? Others always had to, even when he tried to pay alone. Apprehensive or not, Bear did not pause before shoving that arm above his head, too, proclaiming loudly, Behold what was never seen before! A Karn has been chosen, a chief of chiefs, born of a maiden, he has come with the dawn from Ruidian, according to prophecy, to unite the Aiel. The fulfillment of prophecy has begun.
2: First of all, when she says, "Show me the signs," she knows she's looking for two dragons right away.
1: Yeah. He doesn't see that, but Rand doesn't seem to even know that the dragons are there. He's been wearing long sleeves the whole time.
2: Yeah, he can't feel them at all. They haven't changed the feel of his arms. Not and a real tattoo. Not a real. Yeah, it's which is interesting. Because... Or maybe realer. <laughs> You can't feel your tattoos once they've healed, right? The Not fellow, after they've healed. Yeah, no. Right, right, right. So, and then the other th- the contradiction that we have is that when Min bonded Rand with the water bond, she says that he can feel the tattoos on his arms and they hurt. Huh. And so I I I was just thinking about that and I it seems to be an actual plot hole that he says his arms don't feel any different, but she can feel the drag she can feel the pain that they cause him so and it, it doesn't seem like he's like oh they don't hurt but i can feel them and we can dismiss that he just can't feel them at all he doesn't even realize they're there in this scene his arm yeah. no different
1: he is also i mean he's mad now and he's madder then when that happens and because isn't there also like randis has all kinds of wounds and things at that point
2: yeah and... well, the, the ones she lists are the the hair marks in each of his hand which mm-hmm. he can feel the two dragons, which he says he can feel when they hurt, but doesn't seem to match up. His side double wound, his eyes get burned, and he loses his hand from Semarok. Oh, right. And not to mention, I'm sure, you know, the stress he's under probably causes some muscle pain and tension. He needs a massage every once in a while.
1: Yeah, I remember from that scene, just very vaguely, one of the women wonders how he's even standing. Or some, something along those lines, you know. When they feel the pain that he's in, it's unbelievable to them.
2: Anyway, I just thought that was a bit of a, uh, a plot hole that, that we get that they say they hurt once later but don't hurt now. And I don't really see any reason why they'd start hurting. Nah. And he never really talks about it. He's never like—because he does. He talks about like the pain he ignores in his side, the pa- a bunch of other kinds of pain that he ignores. He never, ever complains about the pain of the dragons.
1: And, of course, after that scene I just read— I'll read this one more line. The reactions of the other Aiel were nothing like what Rand envisioned. They just kind of all look down at the, at the marks on his arms and then they turn around and walk away. There's no like cheering, there's no like welcoming. It's just like, oh shit. <laughs> and everybody leaves.
2: <laughs> they realize that's the end of their people and their way of life. And, you know, it is the breaking of the Aiel, it's the end of the world. Like, it's hard to be excited about the end of the world.
1: Right. <laughs> Soon a lot of them will be dead, and they know
2: that. Yeah, if they are able to survive at all. Because if Rand dies before the last battle, none of the Aiel will make it. So they have to do everything they can to keep him alive. Which is, when you think about it, you know, all the maidens and, and Aiel who sacrificed to keep him alive, in a way, is somewhat of a selfish thing. You can see it as self-interested, because if Ran, it, the prophecies say if Rand dies not a single Aiel will will survive. Yeah. So, and the wise ones are there to uh make sure they they continue forward. Um do we, do we want to talk about the price the the I think we talked about the prophecy before the twice and twice shall he be marked?
1: Oh yeah, we must have gone over it before, but
2: all right, once for remembrance lost and he realizes that's for the memories in the columns.
1: Yeah, and all the ail clan chiefs get that for the remembrance that they regain.
2: But he gets the second one for the price he must pay. And I think I've speculated about this before, but I think that's on the hand that gets burned off. And so the hand is the price. that, And that's the hand is marked by a dragon.
1: Ferengi says his golden ticket. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> that's dark. <laughs> when you put it that way. um, That's that's interesting. I never really thought about it. I'm dissembling a little what you just said. The the price he must pay is losing his arm.
2: I mean, also dying.
1: Yeah, but, I, I mean.
2: But I think the representation of the dragon in that prophecy is, is to the, the loss of a hand. And the loss of a hand is one of those things that part of the legends of, of I want to say Odin, right? Maybe. So I, I feel like losing a hand is one of those things that is pulled directly out of mythology. So Jordan knew he was going to do it to Rand very early on, even if he didn't know exactly how it was going to happen happen there's a lot of that because we've had things like the axe and the iron there's the odin loses an eye odin loses an eye doesn't
1: and sta- the fisher and king then stabs himself? sorry that's
2: right the fisher king is the one who is blinded and gets the wound inside does he also lose a hand i to remember my mythology
1: i don't um i don't know the fisher king story very well i actually know it mostly from the uh the robin williams movie Oh, I should see that sometime. You've mentioned it before, but
2: I don't think I've ever watched it. Peak Robin Williams and during his dramatic acting time. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very odd film, but I enjoyed it a lot. I guess I watched it in high school. I haven't seen it since, so maybe uh, you know my memory might not be great, but I do remember liking it a lot and really sort of gave me the concept of what a Fisher King was, the Fisher King was. And that was about the time that I was reading... The chess scene with Moradin, where he's like talking about all the various characters, and the Fisher King is one of them, and that was a cool connection I made, like oh. from that movie to the the chess piece that Moradin was playing with.
1: And Rand finds out it, it's been seven days that Moraine only has a little bit more time to return before she can't, before that becomes impossible.
2: And the wise ones forbid him of speaking of what happened to he's like It is forbidden. He's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to change that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about it, turns I'm out. I'm the boss now. Yeah. Oh, and here's one. Matt pressed the heel of his palm against his forehead. My brain is spinning. Uh, which is, again, I think the memories in his head are just like, whoa. Like, he's getting all these memories integrating into his into his mind. He's sort of coming off the effects of that. Yeah. And we talked about that as they were coming out of the waste and facing the dragons. He talked about his headache as well. So kind of
1: like defrag that hard drive. Yeah, you know. <laughs> too, too many right. modifications.
2: Yeah, and uh, that's a good point that it could be di- dehydration. But it, you know, he seems to be in particularly worse shape than than Matt than Rand. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, dehydration can do a lot of weird stuff too. And they're at this point where I think their like lips are cracked and. They're in pretty bad shape.
2: They are, but they also got a pretty decent dose of water both on the way in and on the way out, which none, of, neither of the women did. And That's true. And they definitely didn't spend seven days in their time in there. I don't think so. As far as they know, they spent like 24 hours. They, they they went in during the day and they came out with at the dawn and they thought it was like one night when they came back out again.
1: Right. Instead it was an entire week. Yeah. Uh, Ferengi is pointing out, and this is probably important to note, that Rand is doesn't really notice when he's hungry or thirsty anymore.
2: The Void does that to you. When you're in the Void a lot, you don't notice your physical needs as much, and so it's very easy to disentangle yourself from what you're feeling.
1: Raulco ask is asking if the Mist Wall is what slowed time. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, uh, I think neither Matt nor Rand were actually in regular reality for most of that time yeah and who knows what that would do neither are the women they're in
2: the, the columns they're, sorry they're in the rings they're in the rings not the columns
1: right right but um
2: and so you know they they very well could be in there for for seven days as well and not not sense the time passing in the same way after all they live thousands of lives right and that that took rand and company months to do when going through the portal stones
1: um, we, we don't know the exact function of the Mist Wall. It, it may have something to do with why you can't go to Ruidian in Teleron Riyadh. Of course, it could be something totally different or something we never see.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that Ruidian is, is warded in a lot of ways. You've got yes. the Mist Wall. It's, it's separate in Teleron Riyadh. Does time move differently when you enter, enter it? Possibly. That would be one way to preserve the bil- the buildings. Except it would seem that time, yeah, time would slow way down inside the mists, if you did, like, one day to seven. So maybe instead of 2,000 years, it's been 250 years
1: in Rudian? Yeah, maybe. It also seems to defend the city against the elements. Sure.
2: Not that there are a lot of elements in the Waste. Right, just, yeah. Dust storms, maybe. And they they do say there's no dust on anything, despite being in the middle of the Waste when they go in. Matt's like, I told you it was Avienda naked.
1: Yeah, when Rand learns that... Avienda and Moraine, neither have returned from Ruidian yet. Um, of course, he didn't even know that they left. Rand didn't.
2: No, because Rand and Matt went in before the women left.
1: Matt did see Avienda, but he just kind of thought it was her. Yeah,
2: at a distance. Yeah. Um, and so they, he asks for healing, and the wise ones say, Yeah, we, we can't do that. We're not healers. We have very basic channeling skills.
1: Or, yeah, we, we don't know how to do that. And. This is, I think, the first time that we hear that there there are wise ones. So, so, like, the wise ones know that there are a few amongst them who can heal. But she's she says they're not here, and none of us can. Right. So we'll we'll do what we can, but it's not with the power. It'll be with herbs and naive style medicine. Yeah, and
2: and this is the first time you hear that like women have different talents. Like, not everybody learns everything. I think that Jordan is starting to really nailed down his magic system here a little bit
1: Egwene attempts to explain it to rand so we see land still pissed because nobody told him where moraine was Mm -hmm. until it was too
2: late not only did they not tell him where she was but they literally held him down with the power for all night while he was fighting to go to her
1: i assumed it must have been with the power but i thought that was a it gave me a funny image of Melane and amuse just sitting on land until sunset <laughs> you think that would stop him
2: not in a heartbeat they have to they have to have had used to use, to use the yeah on
1: yeah of course no
2: way. no way a couple of old women were, were holding him back
1: her small smile was a touch amused a touched wry. Oh, the next thing I have really is Rand discussing with Ruark the wise ones Lan is there I think he's just listening what he has to do next Mm -hmm. basically Rand says ruar can you send runners to all the clan chiefs to tell them and he's like i could (laughs) but it would take a month essentially for them all to it would take weeks for them to hear the message weeks for them to gather all their people and then even more weeks for them to travel you know in some cases a thousand miles or more to get here and so he turns to the
2: Wise One to ask them to circumvent that whole process, or at least cut cut it down by sending the messages in dreams rather than sending out runners.
1: Ruark suggests that you just send the Wise Ones through Teleran
2: Riyad. And then they get a little bit into the, the prophecy. He will bind you together and destroy you, and just how that affects their perception of him. Like, we are going to lose the battles we have between each other, he's going to make us one people, but he's also going to destroy our way of life, and that's not a good thing for us.
1: Rand puts the pieces together uh, about the Aiel War, and he kind of figures out here why that happened now that he knows he saw the wa- he saw the water sharing, you know, in in quotes, um, although he doesn't really understand until Ruark explains. I just kind of wanted to point out that Ruark says, send the wise ones to the, the clan chief's dreams, and it can be done in a night. And who is talking here? One of the wise ones says, that's not true. We can't do that in a night. <laughs> It'll take three. Right.
2: <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's there must be a lot of clan chiefs that they're trying to summon. And I guess not every every clan's got to have a wise one. Are they going into the clan chief streams
1: or are they going to the other wise ones? I believe, I don't have the line in front of me at the moment, but I believe it was Both. Both. One of the wise ones explains that, like, we'll go into all of the chief's dreams and and tell them what to do, and we'll also go into the, like, corresponding wise ones' dreams, so that when the chiefs wake up, their wise ones will be like, you remember that dream you had? Wasn't a dream.
2: And that's assuming they know they can find the dreams of all these people. It's very possible that, you know, as we know, it's very hard to find a dream that you haven't found before. So if they haven't contacted all these people, they may have to do a lot of searching for the right dream to, to get a hold of.
1: Right. And it's not just the 13 chiefs of the clans. It's the—or 12, I guess. Chiefs of the clans, it's all all the, the, the chiefs. So they're the sept chiefs as well. You're right. Speaking. Kind of talked about this at some point, I think, when we were going to the Waste, that there's like—so um, Ruark's like the governor, and then the governor of a state, and then the Jindo, like this guy Hearn, who he's always hanging with, is like the mayor of Multnomah County or Portland, Oregon. Like a su- substantial population, but only a small portion of the larger clan territory. Nodding. So there's hundreds, maybe, that of people they have to track down, especially if you include all the wise ones, or many of them, too. Hundreds and hundreds of dreams to visit made me wonder if they have like a list. <laughs> you know, that they have to go down and check off like each one so that you don't miss any. <laughs> These women don't forget. Oh, no, yeah. Their <laughs> exactly, Rauko. Rand is the president and Ruark is a governor. Ern is a mayor. Then what are the wise ones in that situation? You know, like Congress or something. <laughs> S- uh, separate power, you know, maybe Congress and the judicial system. Sure. It could be pretty difficult for just the chiefs to get anything done without the wise ones saying, like, yeah, sure, here are the resources to do it.
2: Yeah, they seem to make—it's it's funny that they make the rules, but they still allow the clans to fight and battle over things like water and food. But they seem to have a lot of—sort of an almost layer of society that exists in peace across all the various clans. Yeah. It's like a—I like the idea that there's a church. So there's a, They're almost like a church level. Sort oh, of different there's ways like of a looking Catholic church it. in every town even if they're fighting each other
1: hey when the states were new there there are quite a few instances of states going to war against each other over territory or resources and things
2: so that was before the, the United States was ratified probably back when they were territories
1: and the federal government was very weak they couldn't really they weren't more powerful say than a very rich state right just different you might say a chief of chiefs <laughs> right I had a little bit to read here about the age lace and Rand kind of walking into the mind mess that we sometimes blunder into where like, you know, is Rand responsible <laughs> uh, so like,
2: for all of the Is Rand not age?
1: only yeah, responsible for making Dragonmount, but he made Dragonmount so that he could then be born on it? And if so, like does that <laughs> how far back does that weird loop go? And Rand sort of
2: gets that in his own head here and starts thinking about it.
1: Yeah. And this comes after, and I'll, I'll skip a bit here, but when Rand asks Ruark, what was the sharing of water? And Ruark's a little surprised. And he, he goes on to explain, and Rand's response is, Kyrian, Rand said, you're talking about Kyrian and Avendor Dara, and Laman cutting down the tree. Laman is dead for his punishment. "'Ruark said in a flat voice. "'The Oathbreakers are done with.' "'He looked at Rand sideways. "'Some, such as Couladon, "'take it for proof that we can trust no one who is not a heel. "'That is part of why he hates you, a part of it. "'He will take your face and blood for lies, or claim he does.' "'Rand shook his head. "'Moraine sometimes talked of the complexity of age-lace, "'the pattern of an age, "'woven by the wheel of time from the thread of human lives.' If the ancestors of the Kyrianon had not allowed the Aiel to have water 3,000 years ago, then Kyrianon would never have been given the right to use the silk path across the waste, with a cutting from Evendusura for a pledge. No pledge, and King Laman would have had no tree to cut down. There would have been no Aiel war, and he could not have been born on on, on the side of Dragon Mount to be carried off and raised in the two rivers. How many more points like that had there been? where a single decision, one way or another, affected the weave of the pattern for thousands of years, a thousand times a thousand, tiny branching points, a thousand times that many, all twitching the pattern into a different design. He himself was a walking branching point, and maybe Matt and Perrin too. What they did or did not do would set ripples ahead through the years, through the ages. And that kind of demonstrates what I was talking about with Rand the Theron connection, but in this case, in this case, Rand is thinking about if the the predecessors of the Kyrianon state had never given the Aiel water, then could he have even been born? Not the way he was.
2: No. Yeah. Not on Dragon Mountain. He, yeah. No, I mean, well, and probably Aiel would have died. <laughs> you know, that's part of the problem is they wouldn't have survived. Right, first no Jandwin. Yeah, no Jandwin, no, no, no place for Tigraine to go and be rescued
1: there wouldn't be people there or not very many not the way the IELA are
2: Rand here says, I have to carry the load, whatever the cost, and that just makes me think of Lord of the Rings, where he's like, share the load.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
2: I don't know why. that This brings up a Lord of the Rings reference in my head when I read that sentence.
1: <laughs> I kind of liked here, in Rand's thoughts, I actually didn't highlight this at first, but he just has the thought, like, the creator could not have been thinking to set the future on the shoulders of three farm boys. What were you thinking? <laughs> Matt, really? Really? <laughs> he's he's one of the pillars of the tripod? Oh my yeah. god. What
2: All are right. you doing? <laughs> Fine. But only his brand of uh, irreverence could ever have gotten him into and out of the situations that he needed to get into and out of to survive.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's the little things, like Rand was thinking.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the causality that, that loops around to create the dragon reborn a dragon reborn into a new person who can have his memories, it's kind of crazy, the coincidences. I I, I love the way that circles around. It's it's very much, you have to wonder about cause and effect. And one of the things about Ranland and the Wheel of Time that I think Robert Jordan thought about a lot, because he was into physics, is causality. right? Especially with Balefire and the Balefire Scream. Uh, the fact that you can affect things in the past and the causality can move backwards in time. And maybe is it moving backwards in time or is it just
1: going around the wheel one more time and actually going forward in time? Totally. And they're, you know, in this little snippet that I just read here, and we talk about this kind of thing all the time, like sometimes the cause creates an effect, which is a cause that creates another effect that begins the first cause. And so that there's this weird cyclical, there's no answer. Like there is no beginning. <laughs> right, right. I mean, time is always the wheel like cute, of time, but they, right? Yeah. That's,
2: it's the central idea behind the books, that there, is, that, that there is always causality, but because time is a circle, there's no beginning or ending to that causality. So it's a, it's a pretty cool concept, and really I, was, I spent a little while today watching uh, physics videos about why the speed of light is limited and why it, is it that specific number. And now my head hurts, and I'm, I'm thinking a lot confused. about causality and the yeah. speed of causality, and how that how that makes time work forward rather than backwards, and stuff like that. If you ever want to make your head hurt, go go look at uh, like causality videos and the speed of causality.
1: The only thing I had like pretty much for the next page is Amis giving Matt tea, being like, "Here, this is medicine. It'll help your head and and your pain." And Matt says, he says, thank you, wise one. I won't ask you if you added anything to give it that memorable taste. And <laughs> the Baron Sienna. Sienna. I'm never going to get it right. Sienna. Jesus. Yeah.
2: Think of it like a uh, Never going to get it right. Not an S. Or John gotcha. Sienna. John Sienna. 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 Anyway.
1: <laughs> Baron Sienna laughed softly. And <laughs> they're not sure why. Like. Because they did make it taste bad, because he's a little jerk, or because they didn't make it taste taste bad, but he thinks it did, and <laughs> right, <laughs> he wants it very much be true. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> we know Nynaeve likes to do that, so maybe that's just from being around Nynaeve a little too much, because she always makes her medicines taste bad. If you think if she thinks you are taking the medicine because you've behaved badly,
1: <laughs> this is after that is when Rand is asking Ruark, "How do I?" Get ahead of Kooladin? How do I start assembling the clan chiefs?
2: I like when he says in the stories, blah 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 blah. When someone fills a prophecy, there is no this like turning around and muttering, and he's like, "It's just behold, I've succeeded."
1: Rand's like, "So what's the protocol for this?" And he's like, "Nope, there's it's never happened before, and will never again. There is no protocol. <laughs> I don't know. No one knows. Totally. And I I really like
2: it because." It is a little bit of breaking the fourth wall of Jordan being like, "This is not a typical story." Yeah, you know, it's really even though this is a story, right? Obviously, this this didn't actually happen. <laughs> oh, it hurts me to say that, but no, this is this is a fictional fictional novel, sadly. But you know, it, <laughs> it's Jordan saying this isn't a story. You know, right? This isn't just this is this isn't going to have a happy ending necessarily.
1: I I liked that Margot just pointed out how the characters in the story are talking about how this isn't like the stories all the yeah, time. Yeah, like this isn't what we heard about. This isn't how it goes. <laughs> no, it's supposed to go? <laughs> You're right. It creates a, almost like a enough self awareness in the characters that it starts making the this story feel more real because when the characters are in it are talking about yeah, there we go. Another weird cyclical thing.
2: Totally. And also Robert Jordan being like, I don't write like the way most authors do. Yeah. I'm better than they are. <laughs> like, this isn't
1: like the stories. And then Brigida comes back and she's like, no, yeah, that's, that's what happened though. <laughs> I was there in the stories.
2: Stories are mostly just trying to find a place to eat and sleep and hoping nobody kills you. Yeah. Thank you, Perrin. They make him strip down so they can heal him and they'll heal him to, to put rub ointment in the cuts. And yeah. a septic, Antibiotic. Whatever it is, it stings like a mother.
1: I figure, yeah, some kind of antibiotic or like a astringent plant or something. Read right about in pre uh, pre penicillin, people had like uh, certain plant products that you could rub in a wound, and it would st- make it inhospitable for bacteria to grow there. But not not as effective as penicillin, obviously. Sure, sure.
2: We go a little bit into the side wound. We talk about that a little more. Well, I think we've gone into that in detail, which is to say, it probably hurts because of the bubble of evil. Yeah. They give Matt something for his head, which is probably just, I mean, silver leaf, timson root. Who knows? I don't. Uh, don't have real world equivalents for those, but I'm thinking willow bark, basically.
1: Right. Was, uh, Advil. Yeah. Drink some water. Have a couple ibuprofen. Go to bed.
2: No, yeah, I'll call you. Call you in the morning.
1: Yeah. And I I think this is something I actually didn't catch in my previous read-throughs, that Ruark is saying, when he says, no, there's no protocol for this, like, there's, I don't know what to tell you, but there are places that are like Ruidian, but aren't Ruidian, gathering places, you know.
2: Needing places, yeah.
1: And one of them, which is nearby, is called Alkaerdal, the golden bowl. And Ruark's like, yeah, it's not gold, I don't know what that's about, but it's a bowl, isn't the gold all about the way
2: the sound travels, so you can stand in that one spot and just, like, yell or whisper and everybody
1: can hear you? I can't remember now. Was Did it have something to do with, like, the way the light hits it or something? Oh, is the light of sunset? Okay. I'll look it up really quick. I don't remember. It's been quite a while since I read that. It's, uh, it's just a natural amphitheater. That's all.
2: But, yeah, sort of like the red rocks in Colorado where the light of the sunset reflects in the rocks, and that gives you... The name
1: and it is a super famous natural what is it, concert hall? It's like an outdoor. Everybody always wants to go see their favorite band at the Red Rocks. That's a I think it's a, like a natural amphitheater. Dave Matthews live at Red Rocks is their fa- one of their famous
2: albums. That's where I first heard about it.
1: I just know it's a really famous venue. I've never been there,
2: but think of Cardal as like the best venue you've ever been to. He's like, dude, let's get together at the Superdome. <laughs> Wednesday, 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 the Karakarn will rock your world.
1: Weep for your salvation. <laughs> Weep for your
2: salvation <laughs> Extreme
1: But yeah, there's there's just like huge like pieces of earth crust sticking out, and it, I could see how it would make a naturally good sounding and beautiful place.
2: The next thing I really had is the story of Rand's parents.
1: Yeah, he asks one of the wise ones, he says, you knew my mother, didn't you, or something like that.
2: Mm -hmm. You knew my mother, he said. Tell me about her, please. And then this is another section that I have for, I don't know if you want to read it or not, but the story of how Tigraine came to the Waste and was adopted into the Maidens of the Spear, where she then fell in love with the Tardad Aiel clan chief. Janduin? Janduin, sorry, thank you. And how they had a child uh, during the war of Laman Sin, mm-hmm. and three years into that, well, they don't call it a war, but three years into that war was the Battle of the Blood Snow, Snow, where she died, and he assumed that Rand was lost as well as a baby.
1: Yeah, I didn't. It's a it's a longish story that I feel like we touch on quite a bit when we're talking about Slayer and and even Lan, and, like, that has a lot of connections to things.
2: Right, yeah, I guess the points I wanted to take away is that we know that Sha'iel is actually Tigraine. Right. We know Jandwin was killed by Lord Luke in the Waste, and the reason he didn't raise his—he looks like Sha'iel because they're brother and sister. So he was essentially killed by his wife's brother.
1: Right. I'll read this little part. It's kind of um, toward the end of her explanation— of, like, Sha'il's life and what she knows, before they get to Jandwin and talk about him a little bit. Sha'il, Bear said, was the name she took for herself. She never gave another name That, I, in the time that I knew her. In the old tongue, it would mean the woman who was dedicated. Matt nodded agreement, not seeming to realize what he had done. Lan eyed him thoughtfully over a silver cup of water. There was a bitterness in Sha'il in the beginning, she finished. Sitting back on her heels beside Rand, Amis nodded. She spoke of a child, abandoned, a son she loved, right, a husband she did not love. Where, she would not say. I do not think she ever forgave herself for leaving the child. She would tell little beyond what she had to. It was for us that she had been searching, for the maidens of the spear. And she goes on to say, Tigraine heard the prophecy from Gitara, and then she abandoned her family, like walked halfway across the world, to go become a maiden of the spear where... Bear even make, says outright, like, a 10-year-old Aiel girl could have kicked her ass when she got here. And,
2: and is a pretty important person in the prophecies of the dragon, because, obviously, she not only sent Luke to the Waste and, and Tigraine over to the Waste, but she was also the one who proclaimed Rand's birth and then died in front in front of Moraine and Suon. So the fact that Moraine and Suon are actually searching for him is entirely due to Guitara's prophecy. Right. So a, a a lot of Rand's life has been affected by the foretelling that guitar's guitar came up with.
1: She had yeah, there were several really important foretellings that were just from her that kind of changed the course of the world.
2: I think just those two as far as I know. Wasn't also Lord Luke? It was the same prophecy. Oh, that was sent, it? Yeah. It was she she Lord Luke went to the to the waste at the same time that Shail went. Sorry. Lord Luke went to the Blight the same time Sha'iel went to the Waste. Right. Same prophecy, I think. And it's like, you have to go or else the world will be destroyed, which is basically like, you have to go or else the dragon reborn won't be born, and we're screwed. Yeah.
1: Less so with Lord Luke. That one was a little odd to me. If for some reason, Slayer has to happen so that other events can occur. Well, I, and I um, want to just say outright that I really don't understand that plot line well enough I feel like Slayer is difficult to understand especially considering it's not one man it's two I don't I'm
2: thinking more the absence of Luke in Andor was what was important more so than his presence in the Blight okay because if he stayed around he would you know maybe he could be because he would be the eldest male child of the missing queen so maybe he could be the next, there would be a king of Camelon next, and that could cause all sorts of issues, since we know, know Lord Luke is a freaking psychopath. So, now, how much of that is him going to the Blight?
1: Yeah, or or have tracked down Tigraine.
2: Rand's father goes to the Blight because he let his wife and daughter be lost in battle, and there he is killed by a man who he won't attack because it looks like his wife. Right. Uh, what was Tigraine's husband's name? Tarengal. So, technically, she was married twice at the same time. She never really divorced him. <laughs> just saying.
1: Oh, you know, I, I just noticed something that I wanted to point out quickly. As Bear is talking about Sha'il or Tigrain, or Tigrain, however you'd like to say it. I think tea grain is correct, but I've got Tigrain stuck in my brain. Yeah, yeah. We we looked it up a while back, and it's, it's tea grain, but that sounds too much like a food product. And, <laughs> and I just, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, but I just wanted to point out and I never really picked up this before and it's kind of a throwaway line but Bear says she knew the bow very well but she had never run a mile in her life and or had picked up a spear or any of that and I just thought that was kind of an interesting fact that this Andorran woman knew how to shoot a bow well yeah interesting point that she was trained well in the bow yeah
2: no oh. I also I also think of them as kind of a power couple you have like the Queen of Andor and one of the most powerful clan chiefs hooking up. And she's just determined, like, yeah, major power couple going on there. Pretty much do whatever the hell they want. And do you think she was a channeler? I mean, we know she was trained in the Tower, as tradition would dictate.
1: That's true, but all, I think, young...
2: The daughter heirs are always trained.
1: Right, whether or not they can channel. Yeah. Which is probably, like, for instance, the only reason Morghese knows that she can channel sometimes, and badly. Interestingly enough, Morghese didn't go to the tower as the daughter heir. Oh, right, she was just... She, because she was like a... She's just an important noble. In the royal point. line, yeah. yeah.
2: until Tigraine disappeared, which was much later in her life. She actually didn't go. So that's, uh, that was actually... I wonder if that was also a bit of a... Yeah, it was as a seat for Tracan, obviously, but...
1: Yeah, I, I don't believe Tigraine could... Ch- and I mean, if, she, if Tigraine had showed up in the waste as a woman who could channel, she wouldn't have been allowed to become a maiden.
2: That's true. She would have been a wise one.
1: But I do kind of feel like it's important to point out that in these royal lines, there is a pretty strong penchant for for channeling. Yes. That it's there, even if it's only latent. So, like, at least one of Tigraine's children became a channeler. Here's a question for you. Did
2: Juan? Didn't have any family? I mean, he's one of the Tardad Aiel.
1: How closely... Oh, you mean any, any descendants Aiel family? other yeah. than Rand? Other, like, brothers
2: or sisters? Like, was he an only child? Did he have parents? Like, is, does Rand have family in the Tardad Aiel?
1: Does Rand I have some Aiel cousins running around? Probably?
2: I would think. Is Avienda actually his cousin? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Uh, you could you could make a claim that they might actually be related. He's all concerned about being related to Elaine, but we never hear about anything about his relations among the Aiel, and who he's related to among the Aiel. because Juandan didn't come out of nowhere and he was part of the Tardad. I, I just, the thought occurred to me that he was like all concerned about the fact that he had a half-brother that was left behind, but he doesn't even consider the family uh, uh, of the Aiel that he may be related to. Yeah. Uh- no, and I admit that it's highly unlikely that he's actually cousins with Avienda, but we just don't even think about
1: it. <laughs> it's funny to speculate. Yeah.
2: It's the first time I've ever made ha- had that thought that, like, Rand probably has family among the Aiel. Relatively close family.
1: I'm just looking around online a little bit. It's—nothing like that is ever mentioned, but— No. Y- yeah, surely there are some—there there are some Aiel who are loosely related to Rand. I don't see how Jandwin—unless he was, like, the only son of—but even then, you know— Mm -hmm. There must be some distant relations scattered around. And we know that Juandin actually led
2: the Aiel on the attack against Lehman. So he probably was the one who, you know, we speculated that Tam killed (laughs)
1: Lehman. As much as we would like it.
2: And then we're like, but actually, it's probably much more likely that Juandin was the one who killed him as the leader of the people who sought his blood. But either way, one of Rand's fathers killed him. We'll just right. leave it at that. <laughs>
1: and Janduin and Sha'il went together. And the reason Janduin went to the Blight to hunt... I'm trying to remember the A'il terminology for the Dark One. But Janduin went to the Blight to hunt the Dark One is because... Sight Blinder, thank you, Mackenzie. is because he let his wife go across the Dragon Wall as a warrior when technically it was illegal, but he... He had a position of authority, and he overlooked it. And he was, you know, one of those guys that can't say no to his wife, and she insists. So, and then she dies, and the the kid is lost, and he can't live with himself because mm-hmm. he could have just made her stay.
2: I like to point out that her name, Shail, is just she and Ail,
1: right, merged yeah. together.
2: <laughs> so, it's just it's the word she Ail, you know.
1: I I spent a moment thinking about that because we find out that Shail means. The woman who is dedicated, or dedicated woman, and we know "ayil" means dedicated, right? Which means that "woman" means sh or sh means woman. Uh, yeah. that, or don't. it's a prefix that, <laughs>
2: that adds the feminine to it.
1: Okay, I like that. Sh is a prefix. Yeah, female dedicated.
2: Uh, I like the idea that Ruark might actually be Rand's uncle because we do know that in, uh, clan chiefs are generally, you know, fam like stick within the families, right? When one family member dies, you know. When Kool-Aidin's brother dies, Coolidin goes in, or attempts to go in. It seems right. like they let family members try first. Yeah. And so it, it makes a lot of sense that when Juandan died, that Ruark was either the next clan chief or maybe the one after that, but he could very well be one of his families, which would maybe make him Rand's actual uncle or cousin. Or something. Now mm-hmm. I'm curious. I'm looking at his page. But again, this is total speculation because I don't think there's anything about his family the IEL in the books, but I'm, I'm sort of headcanoning that Ruark is actually Rand's uncle.
1: Ruark was born in 974, so he's about... Wait, can that be right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. Uh, I'm 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 reading that wrong. I'm sorry. I'm reading this line. His daughters are said to be as old as Bear Lane, who was born in 974. Okay. So Berlane is 25, and Ruark has kids her around her age, so he's probably like 40 or something ish. I don't see a date for his... I don't see his actual birth date here.
2: If 74, let's say he was hmm, 20-ish when his kids were born, so that would put him at 54, which and we're now in 99, so you are talking 40, <clears throat> 44 years, 45 years
1: old? Around, like, Landon Moraine's age. Per, yeah, exactly. And...
2: That means 20 years ago, he would have been the perfect age. He would have been like 25, which is like just the right age to start off as a clan chief of the Tardad after Juandan disappears into the blight. Do we have any idea how when he became a clan chief? How long he's been a clan chief?
1: No, but I, I liked... I don't see anything about that here, but I liked what you had to say there because um, we also find out from... I believe Bear is still telling the story, um, and or it's one of the wise ones that says... Jandwin was so heartbroken that he said he told, like, the proper people. He was like, listen, I don't want to be a clan chief anymore. Like, I'm going to go hunt Sight Blinder. And they they were like, there's no precedence for that. I I don't think you can do that. And then he just left. You can't just resign as clan chief. Yeah, you can't resign. And he's like, yeah, well, good luck having that argument alone. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to my dust. Yeah. And... We also just got the kind of world building drop that Ruark says to Hearn when he arrives at Ruidian and and Hearn is standing there. He's like, what did you think I was dead? Because Hearn is one of the sep chiefs. So like you have to go from from mayor to governor. You can't just, I don't think you can just skip. You know what I mean? So maybe Ruark was a, a sep chief when Jandowin disappeared and then that's when you go to Ruidian. Someone has to fill that gap, fill that position from, I, I think, among the the SEP chiefs. So he would have been a young leader.
2: You know, that's that's the question. Like, I, I'm i guessing anyone could ask the wise ones
1: to go. I guess so, yeah. They have to approve you.
2: They have to approve. So, you know, the, the they probably are pretty strict about who
1: they would let in. That is very women's circle-y, isn't it? It's very Like, yeah, circle. you can run stuff if we let you. with our approval yeah you can pretend to run things (laughs) yeah and they want to make they want to make gall a clan chief
2: he's like "Mm, not so sure about that (laughs) (laughs) that seems like not a great deal
1: yeah i think i'll just fight in the last battle then we'll talk
2: they definitely encourage or discourage uh, people to try to become clan chiefs
1: ferengi says gall has gall i always think that and i am a hundred percent sure or a hundred percent believe, I should say, that RJ did th- does that stuff on purpose. Oh, the
2: names, yeah, yeah. the names. I
1: mean, pff. Gall has Gall,
2: and he doesn't like Bane. His Bane.
1: First part of it starts with um, Rand refused a midday meal, but then there's like a little bit of a break, and then the readout. Yeah, between the, I think he's been suffering
2: a little bit of depression. Rand. Yeah, that's why he's not. I I can't think of any other reason why he wouldn't why he wouldn't want to eat.
1: Maybe just like anxiety and, you know, he's overwhelmed. And I know when I'm, if I'm like nervous or afraid or even just miserable, the last thing I want to do is eat. I just feel nauseous when I think about food.
2: Whenever I start a new job, I have trouble eating for a couple of days just because yeah, the my stomach's constantly knots. It doesn't matter if I'm doing well or not. It's just like you're constantly thinking about all the various things that you have to do and you just don't have time to let your, your body be hungry. That's
1: the hardest part of starting something new like that. You don't even know if you're doing a good job. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. You're like, yeah, they're saying I'm doing a good job, but are they just being nice? I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's stressful. But yeah,
2: let me just—I might interrupt occasionally to say something, but go ahead. Yeah, go for it. it
1: And refused a midday meal, too, and meaning Matt had it as well. Though Egwene and the Wise Ones took turns trying to make him eat, they seemed to take his refusal calmly enough. But when he suggested returning to Ruidian to look for Moraine, and Avienda for that matter, Mulaine exploded. You fool man, no one can go twice to Ruidian. Even you would not come back alive. Oh, starve if you want to. She threw half a round loaf of bread at his head. Matt caught it out of the air and calmly began eating. (laughs) So I think the two, it doesn't refer to
2: Matt, but he didn't take an earlier meal either.
1: Right, right. So he didn't eat
2: breakfast or lunch.
1: Why do you want me to live? Rand asked her. "'You know what that I said I said in front of a Ruidian. "'I will destroy you. "'Why aren't you plotting with Coolidin to kill me?' "'Matt choked, and Egwene planted her fists on her hips, ready to lecture, "'but Rand kept his attention on Melaine. "'Instead of answering, she glared at him and left the tent. "'It was Bear who spoke. "'Everyone thinks they know the prophecy of Ruidian, "'but what they know is what wise ones and clan chiefs have told them for generations. "'Not lies, but not the whole truth.' The truth might break the strongest man. What is the whole truth? Rand insisted. She glanced at Matt, then said, In this case, the whole truth, the truth known only to wise ones and clan chiefs before this, is that you are our doom, our doom, and our salvation. Without you, no one of our people will live beyond the last battle, perhaps not even until the last battle. That is prophecy and truth. With you? And then it looks like she's quoting. He shall spill out the blood of those who call themselves Aiel as water on sand, and he shall break them as dried twigs. Yet the remnant of a remnant shall he save, and they shall live.
2: That's such a, like, the driving force behind everything the Wise Ones in the Aiel are doing, which is yeah. we have to save Rand, and we have to make that remnant of a remnant as big as possible. Because right now, honestly, I think they are currently a remnant, right? Mm-hmm. They are a remnant of the old Iel, and then what's left after the battle is the remnant of a remnant.
1: Yeah, and we'll see them talk about this a little bit, and then by them, I mean the, the wise ones, see them talk about this a little bit in the next chapter, a little bit here, but a, quite a bit later as well. Uh, um, part of their reasoning for like, making Avienda be his like cultural translator and kind of keep an eyeball on him is... To to teach him about the Iel so that he doesn't destroy more than he does, and and perhaps even or more than he has to, and perhaps even he will come to love our people in our culture and just see them as people, not as tools. And he does quite literally come to love, <laughs> come to love the people and the culture in Avienda, and Avienda goes on to have his kids. So there's a remnant right there, right, <laughs> that will be saved.
2: It really is just, just making him see them as people and not as a spear. And that's an interesting, you know, then I, I start thinking about the Al-Gai de Siswai, the Aiel that wear the headbands with the the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai on it. Basically the, the dragon banner. Not the dragon banner, but the dragon's banner. And so they they have basically said, I am nothing but a spear, right? You can break me. Yeah, the Banner of Light, I guess is what it's called. Yeah, but this is why I'm on. It's essentially saying we are the tools. But the wise ones are like, we don't want him to see us that way. Because <laughs> <laughs> when the tool breaks, you just get another one. You don't mourn it, you know? Like, we, don't, we, we need him to be to care about us if we're going to survive.
1: In the mid-afternoon, he finally spotted a figure climbing the mountain, scrambling up wearily. Avienda. Matt had been right. She was bare as she was born. And showing some effects of the sun, too. ail or not... It was only her hands and face that were sun-darkened. The rest of her looked decidedly red. He was glad to see her. She disliked him, but only because she thought he had mistreated Elaine. The simplest motives. Not for prophecy or doom, not for the dragons on his arms, or because he was the dragon reborn, for a simple human reason. He almost looked forward to those cool, challenging stares. When she saw him, she froze, and there was nothing cool in her blue-green eyes. Her gaze made the sun seem cold. He should have been burned to ash on the spot. Uh, Rand? Mount said quietly. I don't think I would turn my back on her if I were you. A tired sigh escaped him. Of course, as she had been into those glass columns, she knew. Bear, Malane, the others, they had all had years to grow used to it. For Avienda, it was a fresh wound with no scab.
2: And I want to point out that he is extremely wrong there she didn't go into the glass columns she has no idea what the prophecy of ruideon is this and honestly this read-through was the first time i ever caught that i was like oh yeah she went into the columns of course no she went into the rings she hasn't seen anything about what happened in the past what she saw was her own potential futures which most likely include getting together with rand almost inevitably and she is not
1: happy about that which is why when the wise One's sick her on him in the next chapter she's she's so resistant probably and i'm assuming what you're saying i'm kind of distilling it but probably because she see she's seen herself like become friends with elaine who's into the sky and then she's
2: well and her honor demands that she protect it yeah
1: starts hanging out with him and then she steals her friend's boyfriend essentially right, right.
2: And, and, and and that she violates to that. all sorts of e. toe because she's promised Elaine to take care of him. And then she goes into the columns and realizes, oh, I'm going to fall in love with this guy and sleep with him. Not
1: take care of him that well. (laughs) Yeah. And
2: she's like, oh, shit, he is totally putting me in this situation where I have these two types of toe. And I think one time she says, killing myself will solve one, but not the other. And killing Elaine will solve the other, but not one. And so I can't kill both of us. (laughs) <laughs> and, she's, and she's like, I can I don't know what to do. You know, like, and of course, you know the the answer has yeah. become first sisters with Elaine and share him. Was it killing killing him or herself that if she killed him? It would lessen it would lessen her shame, and if she killed Elaine, it would or, or kill herself, it would lessen Elaine's shame. I don't remember exactly what the, the when
1: Elaine is. is is talking about. Bear, La- Bear Lane, Avienda's like, why don't you just kill her? Be done with it. It's like why argue or or make an alliance. These are the two options that you have. You can make an alliance with her, or you can just murder her, um, which is essentially what I think Avienda is thinking in that in that moment. She's thinking um, that because she wants Rand, she should kill Elaine. But to repay Elaine, that she'd have to kill herself.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah. For Avienda, it was a fresh wound with no scab. No wonder she hates me now, Rand thinks. You're wrong. <laughs> the wise one scurried out to meet Avienda, hurrying her away into another tent. The next time Rand saw her, she wore a bulky brown skirt and loose white blouse, with a shawl looped around her arms. She did not look very happy about the clothes. She saw him watching, and the fury on her face, the sheer animal rage, was enough to make him turn away. Shadows were beginning to stretch. To the far mountains by the time moraine appeared falling and staggering back to her feet as she climbed as sunburned as avienda he was startled to see she had no clothes on either women were crazy that was all lynn leapt from the stone op- outcrop and ran down to her scooping her into his arms he ran back up slope perhaps faster than he had descended cursing and shouting for the wise ones by turns moraine's head lolled on her on his shoulder the wise ones came out to take her "'Moraine physically barring his way "'when he tried to follow them into the tent. "'Lan was left stalking up and down outside, "'pounding a fist into his hand. "'Rand rolled onto his back "'and stared up at the low tent roof. Three days saved. "'He should have felt glad Moraine and Avienda "'were back and safe, "'but his relief was all for days saved. "'Time was everything. "'He had to be able to choose his own ground. "'Maybe he still could. "'What are you going to do now?' Matt asked. "'Something you should like.' I'm going to break the rules. I meant, are you going to get something to eat? Because I'm hungry. In spite of himself, Rand laughed. Something to eat? He did not care if he ever ate again. Matt stared at him as if he were crazy, and that only made him laugh harder. Not crazy. For the first time, somebody was going to learn what it meant, that he was the Dragon Reborn. He was going to break the rules in a way no one expected.
2: What? Specifically do you think he's referring to there when he sa- and he says he's going to break the rules in a way that no one suspected?
1: I don't know. He's going to go to Ruidian. Is that what he's thinking? I you know I I was spent a while thinking about it
2: and I, I don't know what reference M- Morgane says just bringing the Aiel over the Dragon Wall. And I guess that's I don't think that's true. I don't think he knows that he's going
1: to do that yet though cuz he Oh, I he, mean that's the whole point of going there is to get the Aiel I thought it was to chase Kooladin, to go execute Kooladin, right? Because they, they chase him over the dragon roll.
2: Um, well, it does make him, yeah, it does make him fast. That does ruin his plan, you're right, because he has to chase him down. Uh, I feel like it's it's a plan that ends up being discarded, and so that's why we don't we can't remember what it is. <laughs> but I just had that idea of, like, I don't really know, because he ends up going to the Golden Bowl, and then Kooladin declares his thing, and then we have the whole confrontation between Kooladin and Rand, the only thing I can think of is that he has formed the plan to capture Asmodian and that it's just totally unexpected that he would capture a Forsaken to teach him. So that's, that's my long rambling way of coming about that theory.
1: Hmm. Does he know that Asmodian is there?
2: No, but he does say he puts himself in a situation where he expected the Forsaken to come for him. And so maybe he, he's basically setting a trap for them. By fleeing into the Waste, he sort of predicted that someone's going to come after him. He wasn't sure who, but what, uh, certainly I, I, this is where I really do think the, the plan to capture Asmodian forms when he sees Landfear and Asmodian in his dream and he wakes up and is like, oh, that's who's hanging out, you know? So I do feel like this is a little bit early. So I don't know. I'm still, I'm having trouble coming down on one side or the other on exactly what his plan is that no one expects. The Spanish Inquisition? <laughs> That's really the White Cloak's plan, so I don't really know the, the questioners.
1: Nobody expects.
2: Not the comfy chair. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing he's just planned for uh Landfear and the Dark Friends to follow him. Morden has a good point that he's, he's not surprised when the peddlers show up, just how quickly they get there. Which makes me wonder if mm. they went through a gateway. do infrequently, or should I say not frequently enough, I have some patrons to thank. Um, I know we've been experimenting with ads, but the, the reality is the patron support is really what is keeping us going and keeping us afloat, and I, I really, really, really want to thank everybody out there who has continued to provide both financial and all sorts of other kinds of support, into, including like materials and, and just help in all our other projects. So I'm going to start back on December 1st think uh, that gives me everybody but if I missed you please let me know on December 1st which is my birthday three dollars was pledged by Drake Miller Kelsey Maxwell upped her pledge thanks Kelsey five dollars by Alan Dawson Sarah K.L. Wilson pledged Carrie Warren pledged Chandler Jensen Cody pledged you guys are awesome Jace Marin Matthew Brennan Charlie Carlson who here's one Catereri, you think that one's made up? Well, thank you, Catereri. Stephanie Fuqua,
1: thank you, Steph.
2: Daryl Tedstone, thank you, Daryl. Justin Hauser,
1: we appreciate you, Justin and Daryl.
2: Analyst Amaro, you that A N A L I S, analyst. 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 Michael Brodzik, thank you, Michael. Jamie Greenway, Colin Feegan,
1: thank you, Colin. Thank
2: you, everybody. Skylar Ray, Just Dan, and that gets us through December, and then we'll come up to January.
1: All of you guys are awesome.
2: So in January, we have another large group of people. Brian Malik, James Skinner. Thank you, Talir. Thank you, folks. Harrison T., Lucas Sweat, A-D-L-E-O-P-O-L-D. Adel, Adelopold? It's all caps. Cheney Billing. A- Anthony Cheney. Thank you, Anthony. That was generous. Sukriti
1: Sharma. Sukriti?
2: Sukriti? Sure.
1: We struggle with this every time. <laughs> we love all you, regardless of our terrible pronunciations.
2: Names are hard. I've said it before. I'll say it again. <clears throat> Shane Colton Hudson. DT, thank you very much, buddy.
1: Appreciate you, as always.
2: Grand Olds. Thank you, Grant. Thank you, Grant. Grant Olds. Got it. Uh, Colin Wright. A. D. Falcon. Thanks, A.D. Falcon.
1: Thanks. Add Falcon. Add <laughs> Falcon. <laughs> Aaron.
2: Aaron Dibidol. Aaron Iron? Aaron? Iron Aaron. E-I-R-I-N. Abigail DeWelt. Howard Davis. Inchotas.
1: In Coitz? In and Coet's Guessing.
2: <laughs> Paul, thank you very much, Paul. Dan, thanks for upping it. Uh, just Dan, again. <laughs> we <laughs> pledged and then upped. And Cody Kilbrew, uh, pledged uh, just yesterday. So Thank you, Kilbrew. Thank you. Guys, long list as always, your generosity. Every time I do this astounds me. You really are just a wonder, the most wonderful fan base I think anyone could ever have. So thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I don't even know really what to say anymore. It's always kind of overwhelming to just acknowledge the amount of people that are supporting us. And now we feel like we have a group of people that we are responsible to create content for, which keeps us going.
2: Sure does. Keeps me getting out of bed in the morning. Well, in the (laughs) afternoon anyway.
1: (laughs) At some point.
2: At some point. Listen, I'm working till fucking 3.30 in the morning. It's not like I, uh... <laughs> my schedule's shifted a little bit these days. I've been working on it. I've been staying up late every night to try and get ready for it. So I've been, like, trying to stay up till 2, 3 in the morning. <laughs> it was, like, that first night, I was, like... It was, like, 1 o'clock, and I was starting to just fall asleep on my feet because I was getting tired at the end of the night. I had to push through that and get my second wind. Yeah. Coming up on episode 200, guys, I don't know if we want to do anything special for that episode other than to be like, yay, 200. But, <laughs> you know, 200 is a pretty big milestone for podcasts. 100 is definitely a bigger milestone, but like, there's not a lot of podcasts out there that hit 200 episodes.
1: Yeah. I'm creeping up on 300 total patrons as well, which is another impressive number. Yeah. yeah, I, I, We may have actually surpassed it. I, I, I'm not actually sure. But between Mistborn and Watt. Mm, there is some overlap there, so it's hard to. Some people donate to both. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, which is the other reason why we're considering consolidating that, and so we only have one patron because there are people who give to both, and then like there's more fees and stuff, and they're giving as much uh, giving us as much money as if they just put it both in there. So, but yeah, we're at 274 patrons there uh, in Watt, and then probably actually I haven't looked at Missborn in, in a bit. So, and I mean and for the fact that we have you know anywhere from 1600 regular listeners that such a large portion of them are giving, you know, we've got probably 20% of our listeners give, which is just an astounding number when it comes to percentages. Like no and uh, no yeah. one else I've I've listened to comes anywhere close when they talk about like how many people listen, donate. So, You know, you guys are an amazing fan base. I know you give way more and way more generously than almost any other fan base out there. And so thank you.
1: That's absolutely true. And yes, thank you all again. If you've been a longtime donor, we may not have even mentioned your name in a long time, but you know who you are.
2: No, it's some people have given for such a long time that that it just, it's added up to a very significant amount of money. So thank you so much. It's it's wonderful for us.
1: That's sweet of you to say, Ferengi, but... Who's saying we've gotten back way more than we pay for it? But you know, also, our lives are changed and enriched over the last year and a half. Things have changed dramatically for both of us.
2: Okay, yeah, Timber is a, being a good boy. I left him outside for two hours today because it was beautiful out, and he was he's pissed as fuck because I wasn't. he didn't get to sleep on the bed for those two hours. <laughs> he's so mad at me. He's like torn the bed to pieces. He keeps getting up and just, like, pulling everything into a pile and laying down in the middle of it. And, yes, I I, I fully understand the irony of saying it it was a beautiful day in the mid-50s, sunny and warm here in Portland, while people in the Midwest are experiencing negative 40 degrees right now. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Saw a short video, I think it was earlier today or last night, I can't remember, of... of the train workers in Chicago setting the tracks on fire so that the trains can run.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's... And for those of you that use Celsius, that's about 10 degrees Fahrenheit today for us.
1: Or 10... 10
2: degrees Celsius today is yeah. about 50
1: Fahrenheit. Kelsey says it will be negative 35 where she is in Canada. <laughs> is that C or F? I assume Fahrenheit. So what's
2: negative 35 Celsius?
1: I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Just really, really cold, I think.
2: 35 degrees below freezing. It's not quite as cold as negative 30, 35 degrees Fahrenheit. Or am I getting that backwards? Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. Ogear's
1: estimating negative 65 degrees Fahrenheit.
2: What? They merge at negative 40? That's right. Oh, okay. I was like, I know there's a negative number where they get really close.
1: That's absurd to me i don't (laughs) cannot comprehend
2: i'd just like to make a point that like celsius is not an inherently si unit temperature it's just as arbitrary as fahrenheit just just saying i love si units but celsius is not necessarily one of them and in some ways i like the fahrenheit because you know you know zero is cold 100 is hot whereas in celsius zero is cold 100 is you know boiling anyway uh Anna, it, you'd think that unless the water has impurities or you're not at sea level or the ambient pressure is different because of a the storm. I hadn't even
1: considered that, but yeah.
2: Yeah, like water freezing and boiling is actually not a great scientific <laughs>
1: standard. <laughs> laughing at the responses. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, certainly Fahrenheit is also affected by similar... I'm not saying there is a superior temperature scale, but temperature is relative, which means that it, it doesn't have a very... There's no absolute scale you can really put it on. There's no... You know... Yes, Kelvin is wonderful that it starts at... There is a, a zero degrees. But when I say absolute scale, I mean, like, how big is a degree, right? Like, there's no way to say a degree is blah. Whereas all the other SI units actually are are, are kind of inherently related to each other in terms of,
1: like, people get attached. I mean, I'm pretty hopeless if I'm not using the Imperial system. It's the only one I know.
2: I've learned some versions of SI because I've got, like, I did, you know, the engineering background, so I had to learn. And I do think SI units make a lot more sense. Um, But the basic length, weight measurements, I tend to do in Imperial because I grew up with it.
1: Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support
2: us on Patreon. Is
1: that good enough? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs)